The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. starting a brand new series today called What's Wrong With This Picture? And what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is kind of digging into some of the things that can trip us up in life related to our walk with God. You know, it's easy sometimes to see things the wrong way. You ever notice that? Like maybe you've seen some of those pictures before where at first glance you see something and when you see it, you're kind of like, that doesn't look right. And then you look a little bit harder at it and you can see it for what it really is. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, I've got some for you this morning. So here's the first one. Guys, go ahead and throw that up there. When you first look at this, it looks like the man has a baby arm and the baby has a man hand. <laughs> but if you, if you look at it long enough, you can see the baby's got his little elbow resting on top of his dad's arm there. And that's why it looks so, so weird. Go to the next one, guys. There's another one. You know, you for, at first glance, looks like you got a... A, a woman or a person in some Crocs that has a dog head. But that's not what it is. Obviously, we know that's not what it is when you look a little bit longer. Go to the next one, guys. This is, uh, this is interesting. It looks like this person's arm just becomes a foot. But really, you look a little bit harder. You can see she's actually like scratching or rubbing her ankle or something. And then this last one is pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> looks like this lady has on a denim vest and she has a hairy shoulder. But it's not. There's a dude. That's a dude's leg. Some jorts and his leg. So, so anyways, I mean, you know, looks can be deceiving. And, and so I think what can happen sometimes if we're not careful is we, we see things, like we kind of take a glance at what God is and who God is, and we don't quite really see what God's all about. And so we find ourselves in situations where we're dealing with questions like, why does this keep happening? What's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to overcome this sin? Why do bad things happen to me? And, and so what we want to do in this series is take a deeper, harder look at some of this stuff and kind of pull back the curtain. And I really believe that God's going to bring some revelation and some freedom to some people over the next several weeks. So my encouragement to you is to be here. Like to, to really commit to be here all four weeks of this series and beyond that. Be in the house of the Lord. There's something about being in the presence of God, being with other believers. I believe God wants to speak to you today, so make sure you're here. Make sure you're tuning in with us. God's going to do something amazing, all right? If you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you want to, you can also go to Numbers chapter 20, kind of leave a marker in Numbers chapter 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we are so grateful for this day. We believe that this is a day that you made, and you made this day for, for you and for your people. And, uh, and so we're grateful to be in your house, and we, we, uh, we get it. You're here today. Uh, you inhabit the praises of your people, and we've been praising and worshiping you, so I know you're here, and you're ready to talk. You're not one to hold back your voice. You want to reveal yourself to your people. And so, uh, Lord, if there's questions in here, I pray that over the next several weeks as we dig into your word, that the things that may be hanging us up, the things that we're not seeing the right way, Lord, that you would bring revelation to those things. You would shine a light on those things so we see them and see you for who you really are and what you're all about. And uh, we thank you for what we're gonna, you're going to do. We give you all the praise and the glory. 
and the honor for all the fruit that's going to be produced in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's wrong with this picture? All right, here's, here's what I want to tackle today. If you're taking notes, here's kind of the idea I want to unpack for you today. What's wrong with this picture? Maybe today, what's wrong with this picture is you're trying to work a formula and God is trying to build a relationship. Maybe today you're trying to work a formula, but God, what he wants, he doesn't want a formula. He wants a relationship with you. We're going to unpack that concept, that idea today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. Faith, here's what faith is. The most simple definition I could give you for faith is this. Faith is simply trust. That's what faith is. And, and our trust is not in a formula. It's not in a system. It's in God. So faith is in God. It's believing that what God says is true. It's believing that what God says he will do, he will do. It's believing in God and walking according to that. We walk by faith. It means we make decisions based on a trust that we have in God, not based on what we see not based on what we feel, not based on what we experience. We walk by faith, we walk by trust in God, not by sight. Now, here's why this can be a problem for us, because we all like control. Every one of you in here, whether you recognize it or not, you are a bit of a control freak. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're a control freak. Some people more than others. See, you're trying to control the service now. You don't want me to keep going. I'm bringing you back in because I'm a control freak too. We're control freaks. And so here's the problem. Um, because we're control freaks, this faith thing can kind of feel a little tough. <laughs> and what we want to do and what we tend to do is we try to find formulas to work. Formulas to work that enable us to bring things under control because really that's what formulas are all about. Through formulas, um, we, can, we can bring outcome under our control. So if we're not careful, what we, what we do is we begin to look at God and we begin to look at the Word of God. And we, when we look at the Word of God, we find promises and we find principles related to the promises. And if we're not careful, what we start doing is we start trying to work the principles and bring the factors that uh, try to work these principles to bring these factors into place that make God produce the promise. So, so here's what happens. Instead of, uh, instead of the pursuit of our life being about connecting with God, what we really want to connect with is what God can give us. And so instead of God being the pursuit of our heart, these things we want become the pursuit of our heart, and God becomes a factor we try to manipulate to bring us what it is that we want. Can, can you guys try with me this morning? Now, the problem with this is um, when we work a formula, formulas factor out faith. Like when you're trying to work a formula, when you really do that, you're actually taking faith out of, the, out of the equation because, you know, think about it. If you can reduce it down to a formula, it's no longer faith. If you can make total sense out of all of it, you're not walking by faith. Because faith means there's going to be some stuff you don't always understand, but you trust God anyways. But what we tend to do is we, want, we don't like that. We want control. And so how do, we, how do we reduce this down to a formula? How do, we, how do we make it? Okay, God, I want your blessings. God, I want your benefits. God, I want your healing. So what do I need to do? How do I need to work this so that I can get you to give me what it is that I want? Wow. Yeah. We start looking for the formula. Start trying to work the formula. 
But that's not a walk of faith. Like, for example, okay, if I want to make chocolate milk, this is not hard. It's milk, Hershey's chocolate syrup, and a spoon, right? And what you do is you take a glass of milk, you pour in the syrup, and you start to stir it. Now, when I do that, I'm not walking by faith. I'm just working a formula. And it produces. But, but what we like about that is A plus B equals C. We like that. Like we like, I mean, you look at like these books that exist today, you know, 10 irrefutable laws that lead to wealth and prosperity and three factors that, you know, produce blessing. And we, we like stuff like that because it brings stuff into our control. But the problem is, here, here's a big problem with this. When we, when we step into a formulaic version of a relationship with God, it's no longer a relationship. See, formulas forego fellowship. So take a note, jot that down. Formulas forego fellowship. In other words, you don't work a formula in relationship. Like that's why when we go on, you know, dates with people, like you're asking a girl out, you're not like, hey, you want to come, you know, go do some, some algebra and some calculus with me? (laughs) Maybe we could go back to my lab and take some compounds and mix them together. You know what I'm saying? She's going to think, what are you saying, weirdo? (laughs) But you think about like math and science. What are we wearing? Lab coats and it's sterile and it's lacking intimacy. And it's, that's what formulas do. That's what that kind of stuff equations lead to is they, they lack intimacy. They lack relationship. And listen, that's what God wants with you. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus didn't die on the cross so he could become your formula for success. He died on the cross so that he could be in a relationship with you because sin separated us from God and God wanted to be close to you again. So he sent his son into this world to fix that chasm and bring us back into a place where we could have fellowship and connection with God. So God will not allow you to work a formula with him because think about, okay, go back to relationships. If I'm in a relationship with you, whether it's marriage, whether it's a friendship, and, and I'm just trying to work a formula to get something from you. So everything I do, everything I say is about trying to get you to give me something. It's trying to produce something out of you, draw something from you. What would you call a person who's doing that? You would call them a manipulator. And listen, we may be able to, to get away with this sometimes in life, You've probably been manipulated by somebody before. You maybe have manipulated other people before, but let me just let you in on something. God will not be manipulated by you. He is omniscient, and he knows exactly what you're trying to do, and he will not go for it because God does not want to be your sugar daddy. He wants to be your Abba Father. There's a big difference. He, doesn't, he, won't, he won't allow you to walk in a relationship like that with him. Because the goal of God, listen, this is so big. The goal of God is, is not what you can produce for him. God doesn't approach you that way. Right. You know what the goal of God is? It's you. That's the goal of God. And that's what he wants the goal of your relationship with him to be for you. That the goal for you should be God. Yeah. You're his goal and you need to be his. And so we can't build a walk with God on formulas. We've got to move past that. We've got to pursue God and go after him and really pursue him because a formula doesn't build 
a relationship. And so maybe today, what's wrong with this picture is you're trying to work a formula, but God wants to build a relationship. And so what you'll see in the Bible is you see that over and over again, um, God doesn't run the same play. God is a God of diversity. God is a God of change. God is always moving. Now listen, listen, I want to make this clear. I'm not saying today that the Bible's changing, that the message of God is changing. By no means am I saying that. Sin is still sin, right and wrong according to God, or what are right and wrong. The message isn't changing, but the methods will. And they do. And God wants to do new things. And he wants to do new things in your life. And so we can't just fall back on formula. We've got to look ahead to what God is doing. Yeah. So as I was thinking about this this week, God led me this story in Numbers chapter 20, um, where it's Moses and the children of Israel. And if you know anything about this, if you're new to church, let me just kind of explain. Um, this is you know, the people who have been in captivity in Egypt. Maybe you've seen the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. This is kind of that, which by the way, that movie rules, okay? I love that movie. I really do. I'm not kidding. You guys think I'm kidding. I'm not. Anyway, um, in the movie and in the real biblical story, what God does is there's these people, the children of Israel, who are in captivity. They've been in captivity for 200 years, and God wants to free them. And so he uses this guy Moses, and he comes in, and you know, this is where we get the this, this story with the 10 plagues. And God does this miraculous stuff to bring these people out of captivity. And then they, they cross the Red Sea, and, and man, God just shows up in amazing ways. And what we're going to read here is Moses has been leading the children of Israel. And if you know the story, they're going to go into the promised land, but then they doubt, and they, they doubt God. They don't put trust in God to lead them through, which is just unbelievable because God has been so faithful to them. God's just done this miraculous thing where he's caused the Red Sea to part and their enemies to be crushed. And man, it's amazing what God's done. And yet we see time after time after time, the children of Israel are griping and complaining and murmuring. And every time there's a problem, they completely freak out and lose their minds. And they come to Moses and gripe and complain. And so because of that, they end up being in this wilderness for 40 years. But even in the 40 years of wilderness time, God's faithful. And he leads them by a cloud by day, which not only leads them, but provides shade for them and protects them from the heat of the sun. There's a pillar of fire at night, which leads them and actually keeps them warm, keeps their camp warm. The Bible talks about how during this time they're fed manna, which is like this food. And in fact, that word manna means what is it? It was this food that would just fall every day. It would just kind of appear every day. And, and it, like I've even read stuff where it talked about how you could take the manna and put it in your mouth and it would taste like whatever you imagined it could taste like. I don't know how true that is. Maybe that's just Hook, the movie Hook. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool though. It's like, okay, I want this to be a steak dinner today. There we go. Yeah, that's good manna. Woo. I don't know how true that is. But nevertheless, they were provided for. Um, the Bible says, <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Their clothes don't wear out. Their shoes don't wear out. Hallelujah for that one, sneaker heads, right? Shoes not wearing out, I like that. But anyways, God's been providing for them. And then they, they find themselves in a situation where they don't have some water and they're not exactly sure how they're going to get it. And so what do they do? They go back into chaos and they come to Moses and they're like, we were better off in Egypt. And they're griping and they're freaking out and what are we going to do? And can you imagine me and Moses? How annoying this would be dealing with these people <sighs> and so Moses goes to the Lord and says what, what am I supposed to do and it says this in Numbers chapter 20 verse 8 God says to him take the rod now I think at this point 
Moses begins to check out of the conversation. You ever done that before? Somebody's talking to you, and they start to tell you something, and you just kind of check out. Because maybe they said something that sparked something in you or got you thinking, and so you've quit listening, and now you're just thinking about the next thing you're going to do, the next thing that you're going to say. I think that's what happens to Moses. I think he's kind of frustrated with the people. And so God says, take the rod. And in that moment, I think he just kind of reverts back to something that happened in the past. See, this is not the first time that the children of Israel have been in a situation where they don't have water. There's actually an occasion a few chapters earlier where they don't have water. And God comes to Moses and he says, take the rod. And, and what he does is he says, I want you to take this rod. I want you to go down to this rock and you're going to hit this the, the rod, the staff, on the rock, and water's going to come out. And, and this is fascinating to me. There's like millions of people here. How much water was coming out of that rock? Like, this must have been crazy. But anyways, he, he does that, and God produces water and provides. So I think in this situation, because Moses is frustrated, and because he's had an occasion in the past where God showed up, I think when God says, take the rod, I think he checks out, and he falls back on formula. Now look at this. Look at what it goes on to say. Numbers chapter 20, verse 8. God says, take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Now here's the instruction. Here's the direction. And speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Does he say strike the rock? No. He says speak to the rock before their eyes. Now here's what he means by that. When he says speak to the rock before their eyes, he's actually saying I want you to stand up in front of the people and I want you to pray and I want you to invite Yahweh to move and then the rock will produce the water and the people will see that God provided for them. That's what he's asking him to do. Speak to it before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels. <laughs> Is that what God said to do? Did God say, hey, first off, insult them a little bit? <laughs> Let them know they're idiots? Then, no, no. So this, this is one of the reasons why I know Moses, his mind ain't right here. He ain't thinking properly. Because he's looking at this as an opportunity to show them what's up. Here now, you rebels. Must, now notice this. Look at these words. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? We? He ain't going to do nothing. Like, what did Moses ever do? Moses was used by God, but God's the one doing stuff. Moses can do whatever he wants to that rock. It ain't producing water. If, I, if water comes out of that rock, it's because God did something. But in this moment, here's what he's doing. He's insulting the people, and now he's taking credit for what's getting ready to happen. Now look at what he does. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Verse 11, then Moses lifted his hands and struck the rock twice with his rod. Is that what God said to do? No, God said, speak to the rock. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Now, that's interesting. God still did what he said he was going to do. You know why? Because God's faithful. And even when his leaders are not faithful, God will still be faithful to his people. But listen, if you're a leader, take note of this. Because God still may be using you. He may still be working with you, even when he's not satisfied with what you're doing. But God will come to reckoning with him. We see it in verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, says, because you did not believe me and hallow my name in the eyes of the children of Israel. In other words, he's saying, because you did not show them who, that I'm God, 
because you did not point to me, because you tried to take credit, because you did not show them how holy and powerful and great I am. You stepped into this. He says, therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Wow. So Moses, in this moment, because of what he does here, he disqualifies himself from entering into the promise, from entering into the promised land. Now, there's a ton that I can unpack here. I, I studied the crud out of this verse this week, but, but here's the idea that I really want you to see this morning. In this moment, when Moses strikes this rock and calls these people rebels and lumps himself into the miracle, in this moment, uh, Moses was not living by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, I don't think Moses was just choosing to just totally disobey. I don't think he made up his mind, I'm just going to do it my way. I think what he did was he checked out. And I think what he did was he just started to fall back on the formula. I'm mad at these people. I'm not happy with what's going on here. Okay, God's giving me some direct. Well, I'll just, what do we do last time? I'll just do that again. I'll just fall back on the formula. And this is a danger. Listen, formulas fall back on the former. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Formulas fall back on the formula. Through formulas, what we try to do is we try to arrange factors so that we can produce the desired result we want. And a lot of times what we end up doing is instead of hearkening unto the voice of what God is saying right now, we just try to fall back on what God has done in the past. I think one of the greatest dangers to the new work that God wants to do is sometimes we get so hung up on the old work that God did. And we hold on to that so tightly, we can't grab a hold of maybe the new method, the new thing that God wants to do. We just try to arrange it our way. We want to bring it under our control. We want the result, but we don't want to listen to what God is saying. And so what happens to Moses in this moment is because he's not really listening to God, he disqualifies himself from leading the people into what God has ahead of them. Because God knows what's ahead of them. See, that's the thing. We don't understand sometimes. We don't get it. We don't understand everything. And that's why formulas don't work with God. One of the reasons why it can't work is because we don't know what God really wants to do sometimes. We're limited in our understanding. And so what we don't know is, well, I want, I want A plus B to equal C, but God's going, no, 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 I want A plus B to equal E. And I got something else I want to do here. And I want to do something in you to help you for the next thing I have for you. And maybe the timing's off and it's just not time for that yet. Or maybe I got something better for you. But if you just fall back on the formula, you're going to miss out on that. So it's not our job to run the formula. Our job is to hearken to the voice of the Lord, to listen to what he's saying in the moment, to be diligent to him, to listen to him and obey him. See, if Moses takes the children of Israel into the promised land with this mentality, where he's just kind of like, well, I think I'm just going to revert back to what I've done in the past. I think God may be saying this, but I'm not really totally listening to what God's saying. He's going to lead the people into danger, into a massacre. And so what does God do? God says, sorry, I love my people too much. I love them too much. I can't trust you with them. So what does he do? He brings up this guy named Joshua, a young leader. And he brings him in. And what's one of the first things he does with Joshua? He brings him to a body of water that they can't cross. And he gives him a strategy to cross it. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because this has happened before. The children of Israel were brought to this body of water called the Red Sea. And God gave them instruction. Moses, you stand up. And raise up the staff, and a blast of the nostril of God is going to blow through this water and part it and hold it back. But this time, God has a totally new strategy. 
He says, Joshua, I want you to walk down into the water with the priest, and when your feet touch the water, the water will part. Whole new strategy. But what, what, what God was showing Joshua in this moment is, hey, don't fall back on the former. I, I'm going to lead you, but there's going to be new strategies all the time. And even if you're doing something that seems similar to what we've done in the past, you better be listening because I got new direction. And that new direction is what you need to hang on to with all your life. Because if it's my direction, I'll take care of you. And so Moses wasn't there, so he got disqualified and he missed out. Listen, you can't rely on yesterday's formulas for today's walk of faith. Are, are there principles related to God? Absolutely. Are there promises that are tied to these principles? Absolutely. But our job is not to get so hung up on faith in the principle and the promise. Our, faith is to put, our job is to put our faith in the promiser. That's our job. To so look to God. To trust in him. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, forget about what's happened. Look at this. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? God says, hey, be alert. Be present. I got something new. Pay attention. Listen to me. So listen, church, our part is to pursue the leading of the Lord. Not to fall back on formula but to constantly be going to God and saying, God, what are you saying today? What do you want to do today? What are you saying to me today? How do you want to lead me today? And one of the great examples of this is King David in the Bible. You guys remember King David? He's the young shepherd boy that God called to be the king. He killed a lion and a bear. He, he killed Goliath. He becomes the king. He's one of the great kings in history, one of the greatest leaders of all time, one of the greatest warriors easily ever. And if you study the life of David, you know what you're going to discover? Over and over again, you're going to hear this phrase. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. You know what that means? Here's what that means. David asked God, what do you want me to do? That's what that means. David kept coming back to God and saying, hey, what do you want me to do? What's the plan? What's the strategy? Uh, there's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 5 where this group of Philistines comes down to attack David and his men in this, what's called the Valley of Raphaim. And they come into this valley and it says that David inquired of the Lord. So David goes to God and he says, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to fight? And God gives him a strategy. And so he works that strategy. Listen, that's what you got to do. God gives you the strategy and then you work the strategy. And notice you inquire of the Lord. Why? Because God wants to talk to you. God wants to speak to you. God wants, to, wants to, to help you to understand his word in a greater way. And he wants to give you specific direction and instruction. So David understands that. He's walking with God in that kind of way. And so God gives him specific instruction and direction to what to do. So he works what God tells him to do and he runs these people off. Now, two verses later, it says, And the Philistines once again rose up against David in the valley of Raphaim. Same group of people, only they went back and got some more people. They come back, same valley. Yeah. So you would think David would just go, man, we just kicked these guys' butt. Awesome. Let's do it again. Same, let's run the same play, guys. Here we go. Let's go get them. But that's not what he does. It says David inquired of the Lord. Yeah. David doesn't fall back on the same formula and go, well, what, what we did last time worked. Let's just do that again. No, he goes to God and says, God, what are you saying? Yeah. What do you want to do this time? And what's amazing is God gives him a completely different strategy Amen. and he works the strategy and once again he walks in victory here's what I want you to see David didn't rely on yesterday's formulas for today's battles and you can't do that either 
Yes, there are principles and yes, there are promises, but God wants to do a new thing. And you got to be paying attention to the leading of the Lord, trusting Him. He's the one behind the promise. He's the one behind the principle. So we look to Him. We trust in Him. We don't get systematic and formulaic because it lacks relationship and it keeps us from God. See, that's what happens. If you, if you try to have a relationship with God or a walk with God that's all about systems and formulas, you know what you miss out on? God. I mean, think about the people in the Bible. You know who I think of when I think of people who were systematic and formulaic? I think of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these religious leaders of the day of Jesus. And they knew the word. They knew about a promised Messiah who was coming. They knew the Ten Commandments. In fact, they liked to add to the Ten Commandments. They had taken the Ten Commandments and turned them into 600 laws that you had to follow to the T in order to be right with God. And so they built all these fences and all these boundaries that everybody had to live by. And they knew about the Messiah. And they knew about the history of the Hebrew people. But when the Messiah actually shows up, they can't see him. Why? Because they're so focused on their formulas and systems and what, what, it, what they think it should look like that they can't see when God is actually moving. And they miss, they miss out. Listen, I don't want you to miss out on the promise because you're so fo- focused on your formula. Our faith is not in a formula. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. Our faith is in Jesus. I remember about 15 years ago, uh, Sarah and I got baby fever. We wanted to have a little baby. And so um, we began to start praying for a baby. And we began to start doing, you know, what you do to have a baby. And uh, we kind of quit doing the stuff you do to keep you from having a baby. You know what I mean? Anyway. (laughs) We started this process and um, we didn't have a baby. And like time was going by and it just wasn't happening. And so, you know, a few months went by and we were like, okay, well, maybe we just need to be more intentional, you know, like instead of it just kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens. Like, let's get intentional. Like, let's get intentional. So we got intentional, which is a great season of your life as a husband. (laughs) But anyway, but we still weren't having a baby like month after month after month after month and then a year still no baby and so um i grew up in church and i grew up in uh understanding you know a little bit about faith and so when this wasn't working out the way that i thought it would or i wanted it to i started going okay how do i how do i work this faith stuff it must be something off with us so i I gotta i gotta get this figured out so i started you know speaking verses related to my faith in God. And I made sure I didn't say anything that may possibly, you know, be not in alignment with, with faith. And I was praying and speaking and doing these things. And yet time just keeps on rolling by and month after month, just disappointment, no baby. And so what did I do? Well, I just dug my heels in harder. I must be missing it. So I got I to gotta figure out this formula. I want a baby. We want this, this end result. So what I got to do to get God to give me what it is I want? How do I, how do I work these factors? How do I get this all together so that I can produce this thing that I want, which is a baby? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm speaking the word. I'm reading and I'm studying all about faith. And my focus is all about faith. And I remember I was reading this book. It was about how faith works. And I'm reading this book and like each chapter 
would reveal um, another strategy for how to, to walk in, in a greater level of, of faith. And so I would read a chapter and then I would talk to Sarah about it and be like, hey, I, I read this. I think we need to be doing this. This is kind of our next, our next step. And so I would, I would tell her what that thing was. And this went on for a few chapters. I was about eight chapters into this book. And can I get keys up here sometime? That would be great. About eight chapters into this book. And I remember I read this chapter and it had another little strategy for me to work in order to kind of, you know, get faith to give me the thing that I wanted. And so I, I, I read that and I turned to Sarah and I said, hey, this is what I just read. And I started explaining to her. And I remember seeing her face and her countenance just dropped. And her eyes just swelled up with tears. And I'll never forget it. She looks at me and she says, this is, this is too hard. And when she said that, she wasn't talking about the new principle I was just giving her. What she was saying was, this whole thing, like we're off somewhere. And when she said it, I, I knew it wasn't just, in that moment, I knew like God was speaking to me through my wife. The Holy Spirit was saying something to me. And because and, and, here's what it did. It resonated with me, but it also, like as weird as it sounds, there was like a peace to it. So I didn't know the answer, but I just knew I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm missing it. But God has something more that I need to understand. And so I remember I put the book down and I went to sleep. And before I went to sleep that night, I, I just kind of prayed and I said, God, I don't know what I'm missing here, but help me, help me understand. I'm, I'm, I know I'm off. And God's so sweet. A few days later, we were at our church and uh, we had gone to a, a, this kind of Wednesday night service. Um, and it was kind of the equivalent of really kind of like an equip class. Which is, by the way, why we, when we have equipped classes and things like that here, you need to go. Because something happened this night in a church service, in a class, where my pastor wasn't preaching to me that night. I don't even remember the name of the guy that was preaching to me. I think it was Jeff. Jeff, G-E-O-F-F -F was his name. That's right. And he was preaching, and he was talking about faith. And it changed my life. And maybe God wants to do that for you in an equipped class. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's worth giving it a shot. But we're in this class and he starts talking about faith. And he said, faith is trust. That's how I started this message off, right? It's trust. It's just trust in God. That who God says he is is who he is. What God says he'll do, he will do. And he talked about the story of Abraham and Sarah and how Abraham looked at the deadness of his body and the deadness of Sarah's womb and in faith believed. Because his faith was not in his ability to produce a baby or Sarah's ability to conceive a baby. His faith was in God's ability to create the baby. And man, it just, it, something snapped. I, I, got, I was fully convinced. I got a revelation of what faith was. Changed my life. I remember that night um, after we left church, it was in the summertime, and we were driving up this on-ramp, kind of heading back towards our house. And uh, it was that time, I, I love like the time as the sun starts setting in Oklahoma and the trees start to silhouette. It was that, that beautiful time of the day, really beautiful Oklahoma night in Tulsa. And I'm driving, and I remember looking over at Sarah, and I was saying, hey, I don't understand what's been going on. I don't know why we haven't had a baby up to this point, but I know that God didn't put this desire in us for no reason. And I know God's good, and he's going to give us a baby. And I'm telling you, when I said it, I meant it. Like I wasn't just making a statement. I was fully convinced. And so I remember a, uh, a few days 
go by, actually a few weeks go by, and it was time for Sarah to take a pregnancy test. And we'd had so many months of disappointment. What would happen is she'd get up in the morning and she'd get up before me to go get ready and I would know that she was taking one. And I remember so many times like laying in bed just hoping that she'd come bursting back into the room and uh, time would go by and she'd never come back in. And so it would hit me like, okay, it was another failed pregnancy test. So I'd kind of gear up to go in and let her know. And I, you know, so many times I'd walk in that bathroom and she'd see me and we both know. And we just kind of embrace and so she, she got up this morning, and man, I was convinced. I'm like, this is it. This is the day. And she goes in the bathroom, and uh, I'm thinking she's going to burst back in, but she doesn't. And time goes by, and she doesn't come back in. And I remember sitting there just thinking, man, I can't believe it. I was so convinced this was going to be it. And I was laying there in bed, and I began to just kind of pray. But my prayer was not one of disappointment. It really wasn't. It was, Lord, I know. I know we're going to have a baby. I know it, and I thank you that you're going to. And as I'm praying this prayer, all of a sudden, boom, the door gets kicked open. And I see my little wife, and I see this look on her face like I had never seen before. And she runs over and just jumps on top of me on the bed, and she sticks this in my face. She just peed on it. But this is it, guys. This is the actual one. And where it said, where so many times, for so many months, so many months, there was just one pink line. There were two. And that's Augustus saying hello. And he's about to turn 13 years old. Man, I learned something. I learned something. My faith is not in a formula. My faith is not even in the promise. My faith is in the promiser. My faith is in the one who wants to be my friend and walk with me in relationship. He doesn't want a formula with me. He wants a relationship with me. And man, God, He showed me something that changed my life. Years later, when it was time for me to walk away from a job at this mega church, and leave behind a salary and all these things and move to a city where I didn't know anybody and plant a church. You know what? I was able to do that. And I was able to do it without any fear or reservation whatsoever. You know why? Because God is faithful. And I, my trust was not in my system, my formula. My trust was in Him. My faith is in Him. So maybe today, what's wrong with this picture? you're trying to work a formula but God wants a relationship and what I love about this church is we say this all the time right we want to help people know God here's why because I, I I knew about God for a long time but when I came to know him I found the most sweet loving Abba father and I want you to have that I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, 
go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.